Good morning, everybody. Good to see you here this morning. Welcome to Next on a Sunday morning. Good to see all of you here once again. And uh, we are going to get rolling right now because our special guest with us today has come loaded for bear, and I'm excited to hear what he's got. Pastor Murphy's going to be talking to us this morning, and I don't know why it's taken me so long to get him in here, but um, it did, but now he's here. Uh, today is Mother's Day, I'm sure all of you know. It also happens to be Pastor Murphy's birthday, so we want to wish him a happy birthday this morning. <laughs> Told me this morning he's 35 years old. I thought, wow, ministry's been great to you. Not what you said. <laughs> Well, I got rebuked for what I said, so I figured I better not say it again. But anyway, we're glad to have Brother Murphy with, with us this morning. We're going to ask him to just come and share his heart with us today. But let's welcome him as he comes. Thank you, Jason. And it is truly an honor to be here. And uh, I'll be honest with you on the struggle that Jason has had in asking Pastor to come over here and participate on some level is... Um, Y'all hear me enough as it is, and surely Tommy Riddle is, yeah, yeah, absolutely, man, yeah, yeah, so go ahead and cut this short and tell y'all adios, uh, but anyway, seriously, y'all do hear me often, and I'd rather y'all hear um, our other folks as much as possible, and uh, just think that diversity is healthy, but I'm happy to be here with such a great group of people, and uh this is my first event in the A Center, and I'm really pumped about that. So, uh, hey, this is really cool. Dream come true right here. And uh, so I'm excited about it. I'm trying to find a clock uh, so I can watch my time for all the good it does. And uh, I told, oh, there's one right there. So I'm not worried about it. They got one on the screen. Cool. Thank you, Heather. Um, I told Jason we're going to get a clock in here one of these days if I have to go to Walmart and buy one about that big around and hang it over there, but we'll have a clock. So, but anyway, uh, glad to be with you today, and to all of our moms in here, happy, uh, happy birthday. <laughs> Y'all do celebrate birthdays, but in addition to that, happy Mother's Day as well, so I tried to cover that up and it didn't work too good, so it was just a blunder on my part, so... Uh, I'm very passionate about the study that I'd like to share with you guys today. I'd like to do somewhat of a, a brain stretch with you if I can. And uh, I want to read today from Numbers 14, verse 24. My servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him and hath followed me fully. This is God speaking to Moses. Him will I bring into the land where into he went. And his seed shall possess it. I want to read the New International Version. Uh, same verse. Because my servant Caleb has a different spirit. A different spirit. And follows me wholeheartedly. I will bring him into the land he went to. And his descendants will inherit it. I want to speak to you just for a little while this morning about a different spirit. A different spirit. I think all of you will readily <clears throat> agree that you'll never have a problem-free life. Has anybody accepted that reality by now? I hope you have. If you haven't, uh, you're in la-la land and welcome to the real world. But you'll never have a problem-free life, ever. 
You'll never drift off to sleep on the wings of this thought. My, today came and went with no problems in this world. The headline will never appear on the front page of your local newspaper. Today, we only have good news to report. You might be elected as president of Russia. You might discover a way to email pizza to people and become a multi-billionaire. You may be called out of the stands to pinch hit when your team is down to its final out in the World Series, hit a home run, and your face will appear on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Pigs one day may fly, kangaroos may swim one day. Your husband may finally surrender the remote control. Wives may quit buying purses. It's not likely, but it's possible. But a problem-free, no-hassle, blue-sky existence of smooth sailing. Don't hold your breath. Problems happen, and problems happen to everybody. They happen to rich people. They happen to sexy, skinny people. They happen to educated people. <laughs> um, got just the exact response I wanted out of that right there. So. Uh, problems happen to educated people. They happen to sophisticated people. Problems happen to retired people, single people, spiritual people, and even secular people. All people have problems, but not all people see problems the same way. Some people are overcome by problems, and other people overcome problems. Some people are left better and some people are left bitter. Some people face their challenges with fear. Other people face theirs with faith. This is what Caleb did. He faced his with faith. Caleb's story really stands out in the book of Joshua and in the entire Bible for that matter because his faith did stand out. When Moses sent out 12 spies from the wilderness to spy out the promised land, Canaan, Caleb was among them. He, along with Joshua, believed that the land could be taken over by them. But since the other ten didn't, they ended up wandering around in the wilderness for 40 years. God, however, took note of Caleb's courage. The man's convictions were so striking that it would make the average modern-day saint blush. God said, my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly. What I get out of this is Caleb was the exception to the rule. He was a cut above the rest. It's not that God was prejudiced or, or preferential, but God just admired the man's faith and his no-quit spirit. How would you like to have those words from God himself on your next letter of recommendation? So what type of spirit or attitude catches the eye of God? What makes God look at somebody just real close? What qualifies a different spirit? The answer begins to emerge during the distribution of what has uh, to become their promised land or the land of Canaan. Every Hebrew tribe was represented. All the priests, soldiers, people gathered near the tabernacle. Eleazar the priest had two urns, two containers, one containing the names of every tribe, the other with a list of their land parcels, but... Before the people received their inheritance, a promise 
needed to be fulfilled. The Bible said when the children of Judah came to Joshua and Gilgal, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, the Kenezite, said unto him, Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God, concerning me and thee, and Kadesh Barnea. Now I'm seeing a sturdy man with sinewy muscle, a lean, wiry man, Caleb, gray-headed and great-hearted. He steps forward. He has a spring in his step, sparkle in his eye, and a promise to collect on. Joshua, do you remember what Moses told you and me when we were at Kadesh Barnea? Wow, Kadesh Barnea. You talk about a blast from the past. That stirred up a 45-year-old memory in Joshua. That's where they were when Moses sent out the 12 spies, and that's where they were when Moses heard two different reports. The 12 spies agreed on the value of the land. It flowed with milk and honey. The phrase flowing with milk and honey is understood to be descriptive of the land's richness. Hence, its current use to express the abundance of pure means of enjoyment. That's what milk and honey means. All 12 men agreed on the description of the people in the cities. Large and fortified. But only Joshua and Caleb believed that the land could be overtaken by this group of ragtag Hebrew people. I'm going to read carefully for you this morning the words that Caleb spoke to Joshua at the end of the military campaign in Canaan. See if you can notice what was different about Caleb's spirit or attitude while waiting four and a half decades for this moment. Joshua 14, beginning with verse 6. Then the children of Judah came unto Joshua and Gilgal, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh the Kenezite said unto him, Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God, concerning me and thee and Kadesh Barnea. Forty-five years old was I, or excuse me, forty years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought him word again as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly followed the Lord, my God. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land whereon thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance and thy children's forever, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. And now, behold, the Lord hath kept me alive and said these forty and five years, even since the Lord spake on this word unto Moses while he was with the children of Israel, wandered in the wilderness. And now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old, eighty-five years old. Yet I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me, as my strength was then, even so is my strength now, for war both to go out and to come in. And therefore give me this mountain, whereof the Lord spake in that day, for thou hearest in that day how the Anakims were there, and the cities were great and fenced. If it so be, the Lord will be with me. Then I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord has said. What name appears and reappears in Caleb's words in these verses? The Lord. Nine times, as a matter of fact. If you will, one for each nine of the fruit of the Spirit. One for each nine of the gifts of the Spirit. Nine references to the Lord. Who was on Caleb's mind? The Lord. Who was in Caleb's heart? The Lord. What, or more appropriately, who caused him to have a different spirit or a different attitude? 
Caleb had a God-centered mind. Watch this. He never, he could never keep his eye on the mountain he was promised. So he kept his eye on the one that could give it to him. For 45 years. 45 years. So what about you today, next class and journey? What emphasis would a transcript of your mind reveal? If you had to testify and portray what had been in your heart for the past 45 years concerning a promise that God had made to you, what would be on your mind? Would it be the Lord or the problems that have prevented that promise from coming to pass? Would it be, well, it's the economy, stupid. Anybody remember that blast from the past? Or it's my marriage because my promise hasn't been fulfilled. Or it's because of my kids. Or it's my boss. Or it's because of where I live or went to school and on and on and on. Or we oftentimes will say, look what I did, y'all. Until it goes wrong and then suddenly it becomes someone else's fault. Usually the spouse or the parents. And then it fans out from there. Promised land occupiers as I like to call them, promised land occupiers. Do not deny the presence of problems. The promised land is fraught with giants and Jerichos. It does no good to try to pretend that it doesn't. Servants like Caleb are not naive, but they immerse their minds with God-based, God-centered thoughts. I want you to imagine with me today that I have two cooking bowls in my hand, one in each hand. One contains fresh, clean water. The other is full of battery acid. So I want you to take an apple, cut it in half, place one half of that apple in the clean water, the other half of the apple in the battery acid, leave each one in the respective bowls for five minutes, take them both out, and which one would you eat? That's not, didn't think it'd be a hard question. The one out of the clean water, right? Why not the battery acid? Your mind, say your mind, is the apple. The clean, pure water is God. Your problems are the battery acid. If you marinate your mind in your problems, they will eventually corrode and corrupt your mind. But thoughts of God, the word of God, the promises of God, will preserve your spirit or attitude. Caleb was different because his mind was soaked in God. His mind was marinated in the promises of God. The psalmist showed us how to do this. He asked in Psalm 42 verse 5, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted in me? The psalmist obviously here was sad. He was discouraged. The struggles and problems of life were about to pull him under and claim another victim. But just at the right time, the writer made a decision. He made a decision. In the same verse, he said, Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him. In verse 6, Therefore will I remember thee, he said. There is resolve in these words. I shall yet. I will remember you. Folks, you have to understand. That Caleb waited on his promise 45 years. Oftentimes we don't like to wait 45 days. A lot of people don't want to hang on for 45 minutes. 
This is true. It's the life with the, the, the society we live in. The writer made a deliberate decision. This is a choice-based thing. The way you think is choice-based. And he made a deliberate decision to treat his downcast, discouraged, wiped-out soul and mind with the thoughts of God. Wherever I go, I'll remember you. God, you're going to stay on my mind. In your case, the verse could read, from the ICU to the cemetery. Or from the unemployment line back to the home where there's unpaid bills and a very unhappy spouse waiting on me. Or from the courtroom. You can fill in the blank. But I'm going to decide, no matter what my circumstances are in life, I'm going to trust God. You know the sad thing about this point? Is we all know this. But when those trying circumstances arise, somehow or another we have a difficult time applying the promise of God. Applying his rescue ability, his saving ability, his ability to bail us out. Um, and for a lot of us here today, if God doesn't come through in a sufficient amount of time, then we assume that our faith didn't work. It's not profitable. Why even trust? I knew it wasn't going to happen to start with. But let me ask you today, did you wait a minimum of 45 years for God to do something? Hey, I'm in the book today. I know it's easier said than done, but it can be done. And I'm a living example of that. There's nothing easy about this. There's nothing easy about this material that I'm presenting, but it works. Troubles can pounce on us like rain from a thunderstorm. Finding God among the billows will demand every bit of discipline you can muster. But listen, the result is worth the strain. Besides, who really wants to just meditate on your misery? Who really wants to do that? You know, they say misery finds company, and there are people that do that. There's people at Grace Church that do that. I told somebody recently, and they're in here. The people are in here, so I'm going to go ahead and say it anyway. Because I'm honest and transparent or whatever. Walked up to say something. I, oh, wait, wait, wait. If you don't have something positive to say, don't want to hear it. And we had a staring contest for about five seconds. And I walked away and they walked away. Didn't have nothing good to say. You can't live in a perpetual state of misery and negativity. Casey calls it the little Debbie Downer, the little black rain cloud, Eeyore, the Disney character that's always frumpily about something. Jesus said in John 14, 27, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. The Amplified Version said this verse. Stop allowing yourself to be agitated and disturbed. Don't allow yourself to be, be that way. Stop it. Huh? Just quit it. Look, what we don't understand is this is a choice. You can be frumply and all that kind of stuff. Or you can be... I'm going to trust in the promise of God kind of person. I'm going to be happy anyway. Reciting your problems over and over to yourself and everyone else will not make you a better person. But changing your mindset will. 
We had a very impromptu lunch with Christy Murphy, Sister Murphy and I did several weeks ago. And when we arrived at the restaurant, we got out of our cars and uh, we were merging on the parking lot to walk into the restaurant together, obviously. And Sister Murphy saw a friend from a long time ago, uh, a lady that she knew. And the lady just, we didn't see her, she saw us. And the lady just hollered across the parking lot, hey, you know, whatever. And we turned around. And I immediately just want to go um, when I saw the person. But um, Sister Murphy walked over and hugged her and asked the, the fatal question. I say, boy, it's good to see you. She asked, how are you doing? <coughs> I just leave it. It's good to see you. And um, so the lady told her, well, I had surgery and, you know, and then three months later I had to have another surgery and. You know, three months later, I had my head amputated, and then my husband, he died twice, and, you know, my mother, and I just, womp, womp, womp. Good to see y'all. Y'all enjoy your lunch. And I hope I said this loud enough for the lady to hear it, but I told Christy, I said, why do people just see a friend from the past, and that's all you have to say? Just dump your junk and leave. We're, or we're landfill, you know, we're, we're the, the landfill. Just bring all of your junk here, dump it right here, you know, we're the... We're the devil swamp of the area. Uh, stop allowing yourself to be agitated and disturbed during your negative circumstance, but immerse your mind in God thoughts. When troubles come our way, we can be stressed and upset, or we can trust God. Caleb could have cursed God. He didn't deserve to wander around in the middle of the wilderness for 40 years. He was a faith guy. He said, we can do it. Why didn't God just let him and Joshua go on in and give them to the walls of Jericho and conquer that he could have done it? But instead, for the sake of some pretentious unity, I suppose God made Joshua and Caleb wander around for the past 40 years. So he had to put his dream on hold for some four decades. I had two stepfathers. I told my mother she didn't quit marrying people. She's going to look like a tombstone, look like a phone directory. And, uh, you know, they were all legal and above board and everything, but my word, man, it's, hey, Sister Murphy, no, it's Will Hoyt now. Hey, Sister Will Hoyt, no, it's Sister McGlosky now. Hey, and it's on and on. Like, and, and then she changes countries, you know. Her name goes from normal American to Slovak, and you can't even spell it. Uh, but anyway, she met this gentleman, and uh, one of the sweetest men I've ever met in my life. And uh, he said one time that he had a, a very difficult marriage. He'd been married for years and years, married one time. His wife, he said she died of natural causes. I don't know. Anyway, I'm kidding. It's just, it's just a joke. I'm kidding. Anyway, um, but she finally <laughs> died. And... Um, he met my mother, and he said one time with tears streaming down his face, he said, I love my first wife, his mother, my children, da-da-da-da-da. But your mother, and they were both, I guess, in their 70s, or close to it when they married, 60s, 60s mid to late 60s, whatever. The woman, most beautiful woman I've ever met, he waited all of those years to meet the woman of his dreams. He literally dreamed about her. And when he met her, he knew her immediately because he had seen her in a dream 
Four decades, Caleb waited. My stepdad waited in excess of 50 years to meet my mother. I know with us, most people in this room today, that patience is probably not really a virtue. But we can learn a lesson from Caleb. He didn't complain, and he didn't grow sour with God because he had to walk around in the wilderness with these people that he didn't even like. But he did it, and he kept a good attitude, and he kept a good spirit, and he stayed positive, and one of these days we'll have that mountain. God promised to him one day we'll have it. When troubles come our way, we can be stressed and upset, or we can trust God. When the time came for Caleb to inherit his property, he stepped forward out of the crowd with a God-drenched mind and said, The Lord said, the Lord said, and he's given me this promise because I have followed him with my whole entire being in a culture and an environment that was everything but that. Paul said, set your affection on things above, not on things of earth. There's a huge dose of wisdom in that verse. Earthly things will fail you. The Bible says that the moth will eat it and rust will corrupt it, but not heavenly things. When giants are in the land... The doubts swarm your mind. You turn your thoughts heavenward. You turn your thoughts Godward. Your best thoughts are God thoughts. He is above all the mess. He is above all the confusion. The psalmist said, He is the most high over all the earth. Exodus said, Paul, uh, Moses said, Who is like unto thee, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like thee, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders? The psalmist said, For who in the heaven can be compared unto the Lord? Who among the sons of the mighty can be likened unto the Lord? Isaiah 6, 3 says, One cried unto to the other and said, the, the angels cried one to another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. God is not just holy. He's not holy, holy. He is holy, holy, holy. Holy or completely unlike us. Pain doesn't plague him. Economy doesn't phase him. The weather doesn't disturb him. Diseases doesn't infect him. Death cannot claim him. Paul said, now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. The bottom line, it's up to us. Stare at the mountain God promised you less and stare at the mountain giver more. Remember, Caleb couldn't keep his eye on that mountain for those 40 years, 40 plus years. But he kept his eye on the one that could give it to him. Ponder the holiness of God. Let his splendor stun you and inspire you. And turn a deaf ear to doubters. Ignore the naysayers. Cover your ears when the pessimists crow. People have a right to say what they want to say, but you have a right not to listen to it. Just because people sing the blues doesn't mean you have to join the chorus. Caleb and Joshua were outnumbered 10 to 2. But they still believed in God's power and they ended up being right. That time the majority did not win. Joshua 14, 8, Caleb said, Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly followed the Lord my God. Caleb chose to ignore the 10 doubters and believe one God. Ten doubters and believed in one promise. Let's take our cue today from Caleb. Disregard the lethal disbelief of cynics, which could be your spouse, kids, parents, best friend, fellow churchgoer, whoever you want to put in that blank. Disregard all of that. 
I was talking to Heather just a few minutes ago about her dad, and uh, all of you know by now that he had just major uh, surgery on Thursday, and so far has come through it in flying colors. The surgery didn't last as long as they said it was supposed to. Um, even had a shot at going home today. The doctor said that he would be in the hospital for some two weeks. Um, what can you say about that, man? And you can say, well, why didn't God just heal him and not have the surgery at all? That I can't question. But I do know this. It has been proven and documented that God has been with him every step of this journey. Y'all get that? It's easy to take you off the ball sometimes. It's easy to take you off of God sometimes. But it's so... The, the, the merit in staying God-based, faith-based proves out. Uh, I mean, we struggled with some 15-plus years in the, with the little building we had in Baker. Amy Riddle remembers that. She was there through those times. Eric Stokes remembers those days. But I hung on to a dream. I hung on to a vision for a long time, and here we are. It pays, folks. If God gives you an assurance about something, you hang on to that. Come hell or high water, if you'll excuse the expression, you hang on to that. There's no sanction for rudeness or isolation. When people express their sincere struggles or questions, help them. But some folks do not want to be helped. And some do not really want to help you either. They prefer the wilderness. These people traffic in misery. They manufacture unhappiness and spurn growth. They'd rather pull you down than, allow, than to allow you to pull them up. I'll make a very crude statement right here. Don't let people do that to you. Listen, don't loiter with vultures. Vultures eat death and they will vomit it on anyone that will listen. Don't let these people puke on you. We've got quite a busy environment here this morning, don't we? <clears throat> Caleb didn't do that. He did not hang out with the negative people and all that stuff. His, he filled his mind with faith and took on a God-sized challenge. When Moses sent Caleb to spy out the land, he saw something that troubled him. Listen to this very carefully as I bring this in for a landing. When Moses sent Caleb to spy out the land, I plan to preach about that in a few weeks. He saw something that troubled him. He saw the town of Hebron. Everybody say Hebron. Hebron had a special spot in the history of the Hebrew people. It was the only piece of land that Abraham ever owned. Abraham buried his wife there. Abraham was buried there. So were Isaac, Rebekah, and Jacob. Hebron was a sacred site. But on the day that Caleb saw it, the holy hill was inhabited by unholy people. This occupation bothered Caleb. To see the burial place of Abraham disrespected and disregarded, it was more than he could take. We say... And the Bible even says that Caleb asked Moses for a mountain. But if you study that mountain, the mountain included Hebron. We're not totally sure, but I believe that Caleb was more interested in Hebron than he was this unnamed mountain. He didn't ask for Jerusalem perched on top of Mount Moriah. Caleb didn't ask for the valley of Eschol where the grapes grew as large as plums. He spoke not of Jericho nor Jordan. He wanted Hebron. Hebron beneath whose oaks 
was where Abraham and his family slept, whose soil had known the visitation of angels, whose earth entombed the holiest family. Caleb, the man with a different spirit, had a secret desire. If you give Hebron to me, I'll take care of it. In other words, I want to possess as my inheritance a land where the feet of angels have trodden. Moses took the request to God. God gave the answer. And Caleb was given his Hebron. And 45 years later, 45 years later, the 85-year-old soldier was ready to inherit Hebron. Give me this mountain of which the Lord spake in that day, 45 years ago. The last sighting of Caleb had him turning his face toward Hebron, where he did what he promised he would do. He chased the enemy out of that holy place. He reclaimed it and made it a holy place again. Caleb wanted to do something great for God and his people. He lived with a higher call and a different spirit. How high is your call? And what is your spirit, attitude, perspective like? Maybe, maybe, listen. Maybe the reason your problems feel so great is because your cause is too small. Maybe you need to set your mind on a holy cause. If your problems are great, it is because your cause is too small. When your cause is great, your problems begin to shrink. I want to mention here briefly that when Dave and Farrah received the most challenging report about Dawson, I was amazed and I'm still amazed, Sister Murphy and I both are, at how this church rose to the occasion, people in this church rose to the occasion. It was amazing how much time you had to devote to that, time you didn't think you had, when other less important things or trivial things came up, it was, I don't have time. But when there was a cause who, whose life of a 10-year-old boy weighed in the balance and a family was destitute, it seems like all of our problems suddenly went away. And that became our focus. And we're going to make this family, we're going to get them through it no matter what it takes. Isn't it amazing what a cause will do to people? Even here at Grace Church on occasions, we had a cause. This building was a cause. And I'm still amazed at our contractors who attend this church, and there are several of them. At what they set aside, at what they made time to do, what they would not normally have time to accomplish and produce, they had. David asked the question to his brothers in fighting Goliath. I don't care how well trained I'm not. I might fight with a slingshot, but there's a cause bigger than my training. There's a cause bigger than my talent. There's a cause bigger than, than what anything I can do. There's a cause. And I don't care what's going to happen to me. But that giant is not going to stand there and defy God and the people of God. It's not going to happen anymore. He had a cause. And he asked that question, is there not a cause? And I think you and I need to understand, and we don't hear it as much in our current church culture, perhaps as we should. But eternity is our greatest cause. You only have one shot at it. 
It's our greatest cause. And that's why we promote the kingdom of God here so much. We're not promoting the church or personality. We're promoting the kingdom. I want all of you to be in heaven one day. And that's our greatest cause that we have to fight for. It is. If you miss it, I don't know what to say. Even praying for you wouldn't do any good. So we need to understand. Do you have a holy kingdom based cause? Do you have a faith worth preserving? That's what Caleb wanted to do. Man, I have faith and I'm connected with, with Abraham. He was a man of faith. And I want to keep that alive. I want to keep it going. This is what has given me. This is what's got me where I'm at. Right? It took 45 years. But hey, it was worth it. It was a mission worth fighting for. A mission worth living for is yours. Worth fighting for and living for. Ask God to give you a Hebron. Is there a place in your past where angels used to trod? So there's those altar experiences somewhere in your past. Don't you want to ever experience that? Why don't you try to preserve that? Not the experience, but preserve the place. Preserve that moment in your mind and appreciate it. Value it. And never allow your circumstances and problems to override it or become greater value than it. Ask God to give you a Hebron so you can reclaim His glory. We're... Steadily working with Brother Ben. Of course, he's had a huge setback, but hopefully in a couple of months he'll be back stronger than ever. But we've introduced 516. Jesus said, let your light so shine before men. Not a greater cause. 516, somebody. There's always a cause in the kingdom. There's always a friend or a neighbor that needs encouragement. We can't do that very often because we're encumbered with our own problems. And it's hard to step out of our problems into somebody else's problems. But there's always a friend or a neighbor that needs encouragement. There's a family that could be fed. There's always a class to teach. There's always a senior citizen that needs to be encouraged and inspired. And it is really better to give than to receive. And the kingdom we gain by giving, not receiving. We grow by helping, not hurting. We advance by serving, not demanding. Want to see your troubles evaporate? Help somebody else with theirs. You'll always face problems, but you don't have to face them in the same way. Instead, immerse your mind in God thoughts. Turn a deaf ear to doubters. Set your mind on a holy cause. Once you find your mountain, no giant will stop you. No age will disqualify you. No problem will defeat you. After all, you and Caleb have something in common. You can be people of a different spirit. You can be a promised land occupier. Thank you for your time today. God bless you. Thank you, Pastor. I thought we finished Mind Monsters last week. But we did not finish Mind Monsters last week. We finished it this week. You cannot have a positive life with a negative mind. And if this guy can wait 45 years on a promise and it be delayed by something that wasn't his fault. And he can come out of it with his mind still focused on God and a God-drenched mind. Then we can too. <coughs> Faith is the antidote to your mind monsters. Focus on the positive. Affirm yourself. Imagine God doing something good in your situation. Even if you have to wait 45 years. Trust God in all things. Thank you, Pastor.